Hello, everybody. Crypto traders around the world. We're back with another episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net, a.k.a. Basic Cryptonomics. Thank you for joining here today. My name is Leister. I'm your host. We've got a couple topics I want to go through. First, let's get the particulars out of the way, and then we'll jump right into this. Once again, that site is CryptoTalkRadio.net. That's where you're going to find all of our past, present, and future podcast episodes. The podcast is on all major podcasting platforms as well. Feel free to check that out. Let us know what you think. Link at the top says contact. Click that. Fill out the form. Come straight in. We read each and every one of those. We appreciate hearing feedback from our listeners, whether you're a subscriber or not. We would appreciate your subscription if you're a first-time listener. We again welcome you here. We think you're going to find it's completely different from any other crypto podcast that's out there. And hopefully you get great enrichment to the point that you feel like you want to spread the word out there. The last thing I'll call out is our triad membership. The triad is where we are trying to build a community of serious investors, not the kids that say the word Jeet and say the word Keck and can't half read. We're talking serious investors that believe there's something to this cryptocurrency thing and they want to talk to other grown adults, other serious people. Get away from the toxicity. Check it out on the site. Click on triad. It'll tell you about our different tiers for joining the full on triad. If you still have questions, you can join us in our discord channel. CryptoTalkRadio.net slash Discord will take you straight there. And anybody will be happy to answer any questions you may have. Given that, let's go ahead and jump right into our content for today's episode. A crazy day. I had a call with the third endeavor I talked about last episode. That was a very intriguing call. They, very nice people called in last that long. And I don't know what to think of it. It seemed like they were excited, but they were really hard to read. I'm usually good about this kind of thing. Don't know. If you're listening for the first time, I welcome you first. Um, I'm giving an update about my endeavors that are outside of the podcast world, because of course the podcast is not my full-time job. I have a side endeavor that deals with technology, primarily business process, etc. And I had a third endeavor, so this would be my third client, because I have two clients already that I'm working with this week, and one of them has been a pain, and then it started to get better, and then the contact I work with uh, started to be a pain, and so we're trying to figure that out, and I may need to kick rocks. I actually compiled a letter for that dude. And this third one would be a third stream of revenue. So the whole thought and the reason I'm aggressively going after it, it's a lot of freaking money uh, if I get the third and it seems like they're laid back enough that I could make it work. And so I'm, I'm intrigued truly. And so I've did this call because we were trying to see if it's something where I'm going to be a fit for what they want to do. I I'm pretty sure I can do what they want to do. There's not much to it, but we have to kind of tiptoe through the tulips by the window as it were before we commit to a thing. So right now the summary is I have two streams of money, which is more than enough working on the third and I have to wait and see. They said it won't take long to get back on a response. There's other things that have to happen that I'm not confident will go. So I'm not committing that. Yes, the third will happen. I am saying that I'm going to do everything I can to make it happen. And they seem to be okay with the way I work and all that. So if we make that third one go, I'm all on it. And that's a lot of freaking money. And I'm telling you, and it goes to my update today. I'm going a little bit more into cryptocurrency than I have today. So just so we all know, in the same room, depends on what I do here. I am, I'm available, but I'm engaged. I'm, I'm really working very hard 
to get this third stream of revenue because it's a lot of freaking money. It's what it is. Anyhow, let's go ahead and get into our news today. I'm sure everybody's kind of chomping at the bit for what we got to say. Of course, the biggest news that I can share is about the merge, Ethereum. Ethereum did complete its merge that happened early, early this morning and then proceeded to crap in terms of the price. I wouldn't say crap. It, it's down, certainly down quite a bit. It went down. It, would, it had been as high as like 1700 It's currently around 1480 ish So it went down quite a good bit. I wouldn't be concerned. I know some people might be concerned. I frankly don't think being concerned is, I, I think it's premature. And I want to explain the phenomenon behind why I believe it crapped because I think there's a very specific reason why it crapped. To do this, I need to help you understand what changed with the merge. The merge was designed to get us away from proof-of-work mining. Proof-of-work mining, of course, requires miners, M-I-N-E-R-S, who then get compensated by finding blocks. And the blocks, right now, with the proof-of-stake, now the validators who stake, essentially their Ethereum, replace what was mining. Mining what would happen is the miners would basically hold bags. They would basically just stash it and possibly use it to increase their farms or do other things. And so I believe that the price that we see, the price dips, the correlation here are a symptom of miners that basically said, well, screw you. We're just going to dump our Ethereum stashes and go somewhere else. We then started to see some forks. There was one called ETHW, which I haven't looked into because it looked like garbage that initially did a pump and dump, so it didn't last very long. And of course, we have Ethereum Classic. Some of the miners went over that way. And we have a couple of other proof of work still out there. So proof of work isn't dead, just to be clear. I'm saying that I believe the price dip of Ethereum was directly correlated because just not a day ago, it was 1700 bucks ish and now it's trending downward, 1480 and going down. And I believe it's because people on the Ethereum, the mining uh, community, basically dumped their bags and said, screw it, we're just not going to do it. And I want to explain, that was their source of profit. Mining was profitable for them. And then they changed the algorithms to make it make, make it less profitable. Bitcoin is extremely expensive to mine. If you've ever tried to do it, I have. It's not fun uh, because of the difficulty. It's extremely difficult to mine. Ethereum had been difficult to mine, but nowhere near what we saw here. It just seemed like, for whatever reason, things changed and it, they were trying to make it get a force the transition away from proof of work. So what we ended up with then now is a push towards this proof of stake. And we're seeing that the proof of stake is getting mixed opinion. The minor crowd isn't really happy. The other side's all ecstatic and all cheers for all intents and purposes. The merge was successful. It's just that there were other people that were impacted negatively that were benefiting off of it. We started seeing that the gas went down. So the price of gas, I saw that even before the merge, but the price of gas is way lower. So it's easier to do different things. So we might see some good come out of it, but time needs to pass. Truly. I think we're going to see some more dip on Ethereum on its current trend path. It's sharply down and trending sharply downward. I'm still on record for those didn't hear it, who are new to the channel. I'm still on record that if it goes beneath $900 per coin, I will sing live karaoke on our YouTube channel uh, to, for the crowd to hear. I'm on record because I, I still believe it can't go too much below $1,000. So 900 is the threshold. We'll see if I was right or wrong. I still think that 
Ethereum has a it has a a life yet to be found, and this is a temporary blip in the road. So if you're investing in Ethereum, use it for the gas because it'll be cheaper to do that, and you should be able to buy into Ethereum-based projects, at least a little bit cheaper. It's down about 10%. It's not a lot, but I think we have to let some time pass, let the garbage ones flush out, and we'll wait and see. Now, I want to talk about some of the other benefits of Ethereum before I get over to my next update real fast. Outside of the gas, right? That's the most obvious thing. It wasn't a significant drop of gas, but we did see a drop in the gas prices. We saw stabilization in the in the blocks that get created in the counts, and this lends itself to more positive of the performance. So the performance and stability of performance. So one thing that was happening in the past was sometimes the Ethereum was dirt slow and sometimes it was crazy fast and there was all these it was disruptive. It was difficult to pin down a stable, predictive, predictive uh, path for performance. We're now seeing much more stability in performance. We're now seeing that the energy consumption is going to go down over time and that the deflation rate is going to be superior. These are the main things that we have to look at. The second thing we saw is we have to watch people that jump to Ethereum Classic. I said on the past one, I thought Ethereum Classic was garbage. It doesn't have hard, it doesn't do <laughs> much of anything, but miners jumped over it to make the money. And then there's other coins like Raven coin. So they're still trying to be in the business, still trying to make some money uh, because they can't do it on Bitcoin. So you're going to see potentially some price spikes on the Ethereum classic side. And you're like, well, if nobody's building on Ethereum classic, then why would it spike? It's because again, these miners are hoarding the, all of this, they're hoarding it. They're hoarding stashes of this, which means that there's going to be some price movement on Ethereum classic. I find that exciting because Ethereum Classic has been in a depressed state. It's still up, certainly, from when it forked. But I'm I'm curious to see how high that one really can go, given what we had uh, before and what's happening now. It was estimated that roughly about $150 million worth of Ethereum, the main Ethereum, was liquidated at the same time as the merge, which tells me we got some correction going on with Ethereum before we possibly go back up, and then it might go to a much higher level once people start buying back into that business. The second news that I know you're eager to hear about is Luna Classic. Lunk, Luna Classic has been dipping. It was a necessary dip, and I want to stress it was a very necessary dip, a consolidation type dip. It was basically people taking profits and getting out, and there's going to be some bot activity in there. I'm one of them, <laughs> and people buying back in. We're starting to see it kind of go trend back up ever slightly, I don't think we're done with the dips. I think we're going to be down a little bit more. And then I expect that we're going to go up again. Now, here's the key. The estimation of when we start seeing the burns for Luna Classic is roughly about the 20th, five days from now. The burns, of course, for most of the exchanges, we started to see some controversy where the exchanges initially said, yep, we'll support the burns, no problem. It's what the community wants. More and more exchanges, after Binance pulled their okey-doke, more and more exchanges came out and said, well, it's only going to be on chain deep, 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 which of course is deposits withdrawals, not on the books, not on the order books, not on the actual trade. So spots and margins would not get the burn. That doesn't necessarily mean there won't be a burn. It means it won't go as fast as people wanted. And so then many of the exchanges are getting attacked by their holders saying, no, you said you were going to do burns on every transaction. And because of what Binance did, many of the other exchanges came out and basically refused to do it. Time will have to pass and we'll have to see how that all gets handled. But as it stands right now, 
KuCoin is one in particular that completely backed out and said, okay, we'll do it on the on-chain stuff, but we're not going to do it on the off-chain stuff. KuCoin's one of those that I believe they'll change their mind at some point, just a matter of time. I believe this um, because I, I think from what the community wants, I think they'd like to do it. It's more of risk, risk and implementation. Maybe it's something where it's just too technically difficult to implement it. OFAC, the Office of Foreign Assets Control. I did a coverage about OFAC trying to get on this tornado cash business. And they said, yep, you got to register for a license to get your money out of this business. And if you don't basically expose the wallet source and the wallet destination, we're going to come after you because this is a sanctuary and this is what it is. Well, there's lawsuits going around talking about that the OFAC and basically the Treasury by by parallel are violating the First Amendment because, of course, this code is free speech for the uh, tornado cash. The code is free speech. OFAC said, you know, we don't care about the code. It's whatever it is. You can do whatever you want to do, but you still need to expose who you, what you're doing with this business. What I'm saying with this one and the reason I think you should keep your eye on what OFAC does or doesn't do, you're dealing with two different battles. You're dealing with the code, which is open source. Anybody can see it. There's nothing wrong with it. And it's not like it's contraband because it's not like they're hiding the code that does the thing. So that's interesting there. And the argument is that if you're using code that everybody knows is doing a thing, are you really doing something that's illegal? That's kind of an intriguing argument, like crime in plain sight. Well, this whole license and getting your money back to the license has not resolved. And so people may be locked up as far as their funds for the foreseeable future. Uh, if you have used Tornado Cash or you've been interested in Tornado Cash, I do recommend that you keep an eye on what OFAC is doing because it's going to call out some issues, I think, in the underlying way we do things in cryptocurrency. And I do believe, and I know I'm a broken record, but I do believe that this is ultimately a byproduct of all the kids that say the word jeet and everything else in cryptocurrency where it makes it low-hanging fruit and easy for them to attack. Thailand, they've issued a ban on what they refer to in their SEC as, quote, depository services. If anybody that's listening to this has listened to my YouTube channel, I've said that I refuse to support or do excessive coverage on any of these token projects that are trying to act like a bank or offering banking services because I believe that they're fair game to be attacked. That's what this is referring to. So Thailand has banned basically any of these organizations that do, quote, depository services. This is paying returns. This is doing any sort of uh, investment. This is staking this is lending. It's huge. It's a large set of different things all in place, puts right in the target, your Celsius of the world, your Voyagers of the world, your Coinbases of the world. It puts everybody in target. Anybody that allows you to essentially make passive wealth off of money that you put in is fair game for this. Now, if you don't live in Thailand, you're like, well, it doesn't affect me. It affects you because if this starts to be widespread, it's essentially a ban on cryptocurrency effectively because think about it staking, pretty much all the exchanges do some form of staking and it's passive staking. If they can't let you stake the tokens in your wallet, in the uh, hot wallets, then they basically can't let you use the service because they're not going to code different behaviors for different countries. They'll just ban you. That's what Gate.io did for the United States. I found it very interesting there of them coming out and saying such a thing all out of the random blue. Now, over time, Maybe it blows over. Maybe it's just smoke. I don't know, but I think it's something to watch. Epic Games. 
they've launched an NFT game called Blanco's Block Party. Now, this being Epic Games intrigues me. If you've listened to me for a while, you've heard me say, I think NFTs are people are tired of them and it's garbage. But I also said in a very distant past episode, we need to see real gaming developers to actually show us something because they have the core skill sets necessary to make it work. And I also said that I would love to see something where we are taking something that is like this NFT. It doesn't have to be NFT, it can be crypto, but it's something on this world and we use it to replace what we currently force on people in the form of uh, free to win or pay to win rather. So these free to play games, these freemium games, these gotcha games where there's you have to pay money and your kids are running you broke because they're buying all these, these add-ons and things. DLC for video games. I want to see that there's some connection there. Maybe as an NFT holder, you automatically get access to this DLC. Something along those lines that bridges the two worlds because it would increase the value of the NFT itself beyond garbage art like a dog or something. That's what it looks like Blanco's Block Party is trying to do using things like the Funko Pops and other things as a visual connection to the NFT world. And if you look at what it's doing as a game, I'm not really impressed with it visually, but Epic Games is one of the best game developers in in the world. So if anybody can pull something off, I think it's them. I think that's worth watching. That's, again, Epic Games. The game's called Blanco's Block Party, and it's supposedly in a beta period, so they may be open for people to try it out. If this, this hopefully, if they do it right, like I think the biggest gain would be tying somehow NFTs or something else to DLC and to the all the gotcha and reward boxes, drop boxes, so that owning the NFT the first time you get access to all this great DLC, you don't have to worry about a separate medium for purchasing it. The last update that I'll say, uh, probably two episodes back, I said that at this point, momentum is only going to shift down if somebody in the government comes out and says a thing that they're going to kill the business. Guess what? We immediately saw some red. Do you know why we saw red across the board? Gary Gensler from the SEC again came out and said, quote, you know what? A lot of these are, they're basically transacting like securities. You're going to need to register with the SEC. I'll give you a direct, even extended quote to that quote. Given that most crypto tokens are securities, it follows that many crypto intermediaries, whether they call themselves centralized or decentralized, are transaction in securities and have to register with the SEC. So, capacity, do, do. Quote, I've asked staff to work with crypto intermediaries to ensure they register each of their functions, exchange, broker, dealer, custodial functions, and the like, which could result in disaggregating their functions into separate legal entities to mitigate conflicts of interest and enhance investor protections. Quote, as I've stated previously, a small number of tokens likely are crypto non-security tokens, though that may represent a significant portion of the crypto market's aggregate value. Thus, I've asked staff in working to register crypto security intermediaries to recommend a pathway to allow both the crypto security and crypto non-security tokens to trade versus or alongside one another. Quote, I look forward to working with Congress on various legislative initiatives related to crypto markets while maintaining the robust authorities we currently have. Let's ensure that we don't inadvertently undermine security laws underlying $100 trillion capital markets. Security laws have made our capital markets the envy of the world, which isn't true. So summary, he feels, you know what? We got to lock this down. And when he says intermediaries, he's referring to the exchanges. In a distant past episode, I said that 
If they want to do this, lock it down, they're going to go after the exchanges. That's the only way they can, because that's the only way you can get fiat out of it. And he's basically saying, oh, there's some that probably aren't securities, but I ain't worried about them. And if they do have the vast majority of the wealth, we'll do something about those too. This statement and him, as I've always said, every time there's any sort of bull, anytime there's any sort of claim, he comes out and says things that cause panic in the business. And unfortunately, everybody overreacts and they freak out. And then do and they dump, dump, FOMO dump because they're afraid of what he's saying instead of doing what I believe they should do, which is the opposite. Buy in because ultimately what he's talking about, he can't unilaterally do it. He would have to have the support of the entire government. And this close to the potential blowout in November, I'm confident. And that other senator said, we're, we're not going to be able to do it. It's too far out. So then buck the trend. You know, fight the power, do that. Like literally say, no, I'm not going to dump mine. I'm not going to sell it. I'll buy more. Screw you. Buy the dip, buy the dip because he can't unilaterally act. And I guarantee you, if there's a blowout in November, they're not going to be wanting to lock down cryptocurrency because many of those that would replace the current administration are probably sitting on major bags. So this is not advice. I'm telling you that the sentiment that you saw, the dips to red, I believe his statements caused a lot of it, not just the Ethereum deal. Ethereum just happened to be at the wrong place at the right time and dipped at the same time when the truth is his statement had part to do with it. There are other things that had the part to do with it. His probably had the biggest part to do with it overall. And hopefully we get to a point where we stop allowing this guy to kill the business. But I know that there's FOMO out there. I know that there's fear and people will just dump. It's the first reaction and stable it off because they're not sure or they'll just completely sell. And I don't know how we get away from it. And unfortunately, if you're a crypto investor that believes in it and you believe in its future, it means you're always going to be disrupted every single time. I want to close by saying this is a symptom of the way that we treated cryptocurrency. It was never meant to be treated like money like this. It was never meant to be paired to fiat. Because we did that, we allowed people like him to affect your money. I don't think we should have ever done it. And people should advocate to get away from it, decouple it, and fight it. The only way we can do that is for people to stop FOMO selling every time he says something that freaks them out. Will we get there? I don't know. I'm saying that we need to if we want to move past all this nonsense. That's going to do it for today's episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. I want to thank you for listening here today. I know you have choices, whether you're a new listener or a subscriber. We appreciate each and every one of you. Check out our site, CryptoTalkRadio.net. We have a contact form, the link's at the very top. We'd love to hear from you and how we're doing and what you like or what you don't like. We read each and every one of those. Also, check out our triad. The triad is a community that we're working to build forward of strong, smart investors the ones that want to lead us into the next generation of cryptocurrency to evolve cryptocurrency into a more mature investment strategy for people, help people as they're growing and they get into this space. We don't want the ones that say the word Jeet and the ones that say the word Keck. We want the ones that treat this as a serious thing. Join us on our journey. Until next time, take care, be safe. Please don't YOLO into projects, any project. It doesn't matter what it is. Be smart with your investments. Make sure you always keep a roof over your head, food on your table. Your family comes first. Don't get stuck in this. Our goal is to try to help keep you safe, but we're only an informing source. There are a lot of sources out there, some of which are not really looking out for you. They're looking out for themselves. So always be careful with the advice that you take and what you do with that information is up to you, but just be smart about it is all we ask. See you next episode.